welcome back to the TF Tuesday podcast. Today we are joined by a TF writer uh, who I've had the pleasure of chatting with many a time, Doran. Would you like to introduce yourself? I mean, I guess. <laughs> yep, I'm Doran TF. I've been involved in the TF community and everything for a trillion years now. I started writing semi recently, not not too long ago. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much me. So what got you into writing in the first place? I've, I've always done a little bit of writing even before I did any kind of TF stuff. Mm. I think I kind of needed to mature a little bit, if you can say that where I'm at right now is mature. To I, I had some stuff going on in my life that kind of prevented a lot of any kind of writing I would want to do. And kind of once that was out of the way, just kind of jumped headfirst into it. Uh, I had some ideas that I didn't really see a lot of other people doing and and just all the random nonsense that pops into my head from day to day kind of it's a good excuse to get it out of my brain. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you mentioned that once you kind of had a chance to get past those obstacles, you felt like you had different kind of ideas that you wanted to see portrayed in TF stories. Was there any like one in particular that really you were like, oh, you know, I don't see enough of that. I really want to see stories that feature X. Was, were there any like glaring missing niches that you really wanted to fill? I think so. I try to do a lot of character driven stuff. A lot of times, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm not guilty of this. A lot of TF writing is they turn into wombats and fuck and that's the end of the story. I try to, not that there's anything wrong with, you know, turning into a wombat and fucking. I mean, I can get behind that. Or if we're on the same page there. <laughs> but I kind of grew up before the dawn of the internet. Yes, I'm a million years old. True. But growing up, well, true that I'm old? Oh, come on, man. I, I mean, you, you started with a billion years old. <laughs> then you said you're a trillion. I mean, clearly the age just keeps going up and up. Hey, I'm from the southeast. We have really hard time with numbers. We just got those in like last week. Ah, uh, that's fair. That's fair. You just get catching up then on things. Yeah. But growing up, the first exposure I really had to TF was through movies. I guess I always grew up associating transformation with some kind of a storyline uh, attached to it. There's some fantastic TF writers out there, and I just kind of wanted to maybe add a little bit of satire, horror, a lot of character-driven stuff. TF as a metaphor for lots of different stuff. We'll probably get into a little bit of that later. Mm-hmm. But that was, uh, I guess that was the niche I was trying to fill. And as you as you kind of mentioned, I have also noticed that you definitely like to use TF as a metaphor for things. Looking at kind of some of your different pieces, I've noticed that they often touch on mental health. So like, you know, sometimes they can relate to using TF as like self-empowerment, or it can alternatively be a metaphor around like working through depression. I was kind of interested in kind of hearing what it was that kind of helped you gravitate towards leveraging TF in service of those heavier themes? Because again, like you kind of alluded to, sometimes writers will just focus on, you know, they turned into wombats and fucked, which again can be great. But in particular, I noticed that you like to use the metaphors as they relate to kind of these heavier kind of themes around mental health. Yeah, I always think back to um, something H.R. Geiger said about when someone asked him how he comes up with the idea to draw these really weird, out there, uh, horrific images. And he said that basically they're images that exist in his head and he doesn't want them there. And so his art was a way to 
get him out of his brain and on paper so he didn't have to worry about them. I think mental health issues, they're, they're prevalent with the TF community. I've talked to a ton of people that have, have issues struggling with depression, uh, self-assertiveness, self-doubting, stuff like that. I kind of like to work in my stuff. Transformation is, unless there's Wombat fucking involved, it would be a pretty traumatic experience. It would be life-changing for good or ill. Yeah. And you can kind of equate that with, and my newest story deals a lot with self-identity, thoughts of suicide, and um, kind of using the more negative aspects of a transformation as kind of a allusion towards that and action and you know literally giving giving into those thoughts wow this is a really depressing episode <laughs> aren't you glad that you had me on here obviously i mean i came here to talk about depression i don't know about you right but... right that, i mean it's the perfect sunday night it's the thing you want to do right? Yeah, absolutely i mean i can think of nothing better yeah i mean like you know it's not like there's anything else to do anyways <laughs> Not in all my writing, I would say goofiness and satire goes probably to the top of the list and whatever I do, even even stuff that deals oh, with yeah. uh, the kind of heavier stuff. Yeah, that's that's kind of my way of getting stuff out. I deal with also, you know, depression and everything. And um, it's the TF community is incredibly supportive. That's one of the, the reasons why I've um, wanted to become involved in this podcast and everything. I know a lot of people go through that stuff. You can definitely use TF as metaphors for a host of things, and uh, I, I try to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know that in past episodes we've talked kind of about, you know, how does TF relate to gender exploration? How does it affect, like, people of color in terms of how they view themselves? I think that TF and transformation, broadly speaking, can so often be a vehicle for interpreting the world around us and the world as it runs through our heads. And it, it's not to say that that is always what folks gravitate towards when they first think of TF, because again, sometimes, you know, you just think of TF as that's hot. But I find that the longer you spend in the community, the more you kind of see those shades of using transformation to explore things, be it, you know, like mental health, as you've kind of mentioned, or some of those other topics. And I always just find it interesting to dig into the why of, you know, behind each person, why they choose to look at TF and explore it through these different kinds of ways so you know in terms of your own stuff as you kind of mentioned like it's not always depressing stuff so to speak there is a lot of levity in your writing but i've noticed that you touch on tf in a way that's also like poking fun at it and like kind of touching on it as like kind of an absurd subject and i was interested to kind of hear what it was about tf that really lends itself to those kinds of more satirical humorous situations because like you know outside of puns and such you don't oftentimes see people like genuinely prodding at the fundamental concept of transformation in like an absurdist way so i guess my very long rambling question is what drove you to also examine tf in kind of a more humorous absurdist way well, if you start to take the world seriously, the world wins and you lose. I think that you have to realize the absurdity in, in, in everything. Transformation is goofy as a fetish, but it's no more goofy than any other fetish. And it makes for fun writing when the character is having to come to terms with becoming this weird creature or whatever and just kind of stops back and says, you know, 
today I was going to go to the bank and maybe stop by McDonald's and now I'm growing horns and, you know, I'm not prepared for this. And now I'm going to go eat ice cream and try not to think about this. <laughs> I will say putting your head in the sand scenarios always gets a laugh out of me because it's like after a certain point, it really does lean into the absurdism of, you know, someone's like halfway towards being, I don't know, a horse. And it's like, oh yeah, this is totally fine. This is because of X, Y, Z. It's not because I'm turning into a horse. Like that always gets a chuckle out of me or this is this is not happening i'm just going to try to go about my day like normal everything is fine don't yeah. pay any attention <laughs> exactly and seeing you know how other people react to that as well right yeah you know i i think something that i just appreciate in those situations and i think that you've kind of explored in your writing overall i do want to push back a little bit on the absurdist point in terms of like it can be as absurd as any fetish because while that's technically true you know i think that when it comes to transformation and you know like a few other fetishes that are like quote unquote impossible to some degree like you know think like vor and stuff like that like those things are in a sense more absurd of like a more quote unquote i don't want to say because that's not the right word but like a more quote-unquote accepted fetish like you know bdsm or foot fetish those are things that can actually be actioned upon in a way whereas like transformation i mean you can kind of but it's never going to be the real thing yeah i remember one time i went out on date and the person i was you know having dinner with and whatever we were doing said that she was into some pretty kinky stuff and i asked like oh what and she's like oh you know like fuzzy handcuffs and hot wax and i was just like oh my sweet summer child <laughs> there, there are realms beyond what you can possibly conceive of yeah but i think it goes back to just having to try to find the humor and everything especially when you're dealing with a lot of more serious issues. Um, I write a lot about relationships and everything too, and the bad that comes along with the good. And just focusing on the humorous or the absurd aspects of it too can kind of help you not get too bogged down in the uh, negative aspects of whatever particular uh, drama that I'm writing about. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess to use a bad joke, it humanizes the piece a little bit is what I'm kind of sensing. Yeah, I mean, I know that on the previous podcast that I've listened to, I know that's something that keeps coming up, but that is the best way to put it, I think. In order to have any kind of transformation, you have to start from a human starting point. And I think a lot of people just kind of want to hurry up and get to the actual, you know, the reason why people are reading your story is because of the TF, but the situations that go around it, what you as the writer are trying to say, I think you can do so much with transformation stories and a lot of people do and a lot of people are you know absolutely nothing wrong with just having a you turn into gerbils and bang but I think there's a lot more meat that you can delve into there too. Yeah. And I mean, you know, again, everyone enjoys TF literature in their own ways. I know I oftentimes will default to they turned into gerbils and banged but you know i think there's something to be said as well about having a good setup and for lack of a better analogy like you know having good foreplay to get there you know you can really mine a lot about transformation without even getting to the transformation itself and i think that sometimes and again i'm very much guilty of this like there isn't always as much attention paid to the world building or story building that can go into making the scenario you know, makes sense within the context of a story. And in particular, when you have that good, solid foundation, you can end up having a transformation that is that much more impactful. 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. It is also kind of a double-edged sword. <laughs> like your, um, like one of your previous uh, guests was talking about. A lot of times, people do just want the bare bones, you know, transformation. Uh, hurry up and get to the sexy stuff. Mm -hmm. That is the kind of stuff that gets a lot more uh, views than some of the more yeah. introspective stuff. I think the last thing that I wrote, probably my favorite thing that I've ever worked on, that was definitely a very personal story. And whenever anyone talks about any of the stuff that I'm writing it, or that I've written, it's usually, oh, you wrote that one bat story where they turn into bats and fucked. And I'm like, mm -hmm, yeah, but... but <laughs> It's 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 like it's not even representative of your body of work, but ah uh, yes, that's what people gravitated toward. Yeah, w which is fine. It means a lot to me whenever I get comments saying that a story really hit buttons that people weren't looking for or weren't expecting. Um, that means a lot more to me than uh, you know viewer count or anything like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I definitely, in terms of like you know, I did some reading of my own. I think one of the things that really stood out from the stories that I read was the story anything that you wrote where you kind of set it up as this man who's desperate and willing to do anything to become a werewolf and then at the end he ends up and this is spoilers i guess but he <laughs> ends up murdering his son to do that and he only realizes that he did that after he's had the tf it was a really interesting twist and i think that that really stuck in my craw <laughs> that you know it was like you you had this build-up of like you know a spooky sort of setting and there's this witch and she's gonna tf him if he does whatever she says and you know there's like this weird sacrifice thing and you're like okay that's cool and then you get into like the whole hot tf and you know they turn into werewolves and bang but then at the end you're like oh yeah by the way his son is dead <laughs> and i just i wanted to know more about like what was behind that twist like what was it that kind of drove you to have that kind of 11th hour like u-turn almost of like oh yeah by the way here's what happens when you get everything you want yeah first of all uh, uh my apologies for <laughs> having to read that or anything that i that i write don't apologize i enjoyed it well i guess you could talk about two things the inspiration for that story and why it went down the way that it did I wanted to have a goofy little horror story. I channeled a lot. I was reading a lot of Ray Bradbury's horror short stories at the time. And he does this fantastic thing where the story might be 15 or 20 pages long. And by page two at the absolute latest, you know how the story is going to end. I can't think of the name of the story, but there's one where mm -hmm. a, um, a lady is convinced that she's going to end up in this necropolis and be a dead body on display. And there's absolutely no logical reason why she would ever think that she's in perfect health and she was there on vacation. She's not in any way affiliated with this thing through family or anything. Right. But like I said, by, by page two, you know that that's where she's going to go or that's going to be the ending of the story. Mm -hmm. And Bradbury was so good at that because it's not really the twist that mattered. It was the, the buildup and the suspense and the dread that you put the reader through. You know what's coming, but you don't know how you're going to get there. And it, it's almost like you're wanting to pull the Band-Aid off as fast as possible. Like that particular character, there was really only one redeemable quality about that person so it was pretty obvious what was under the sheet yeah the inspiration for the story will make absolutely no sense uh, amazing i want to hear it <laughs> uh, this might give you uh insight into how my neurologically damaged brain works so i was watching a movie and i can never think of the name of it which is ironic because the movie has two names and i can't think of either one 
amazing. I think it's Borderlands or Into the Borderlands or something like that. Okay. It's a fantastic movie that doesn't have anything to do with this other than the fact that there's a Catholic priest who said that in nomine patria fili spiritu sancti. And um, I just randomly popped into my mind, like, if you grow up in, you know, in Western culture, you're familiar with Christianity and the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is not going to turn into a religious podcast, by the way, I, I promise. Okay, continue. Um, but I think for people hearing that, usually you would think that's either a comforting little statement or probably you're completely indifferent to it, but you're familiar with it. But I was just, I just remember thinking like if you lived in a bubble and you weren't familiar with any form of religion or whatever, how fucked up of a thing it is to actually, you know, just like a man in a robe is standing in front of you saying in the name of the father and the spirit and this ghost thing over there, you'd be like, okay, okay, man, you do you. Yeah. And then, then, so I wanted to recreate a scene, just kind of capturing how that particular phrase can, can be that weird. Like I say, it has absolutely nothing to do with the story. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think one of the interesting things about any kind of writer's process is you can get inspiration and ideas from the strangest places. I have written a few things in my day that no, you cannot find them because I wrote them under other handles. Whenever I had inspiration for anything, it could come from the most random places. And I think that's always what makes the writing process interesting that, you know, these random things that you experience in real life or you see in another piece of media or, you know, you engage with someone else and someone says something like those small little minute things can lead to these really cool stories in ways that you wouldn't necessarily normally make those connections. And I think it's the hallmark of a writer to be able to pull inspiration from almost anywhere. Yeah, I think the last thing I wrote that I'm probably the most proud of, uh, the inspiration came from driving down a country road to go pick up a pizza. And that's, you know, it, it can come from the absolute most absurd places, which I guess, like like we talked about before, is something that I gravitate towards. Yeah, sounds like that pizza was really worth the drive then. Um, Not really. It was just, really? it's just Domino's. I mean, you do what you can do. Oh, uh... Domino's. That is a shame. Well, it led to good things, even if it wasn't the best pizza. Yeah, I think so. And Domino's will never sponsor this podcast. <laughs> I mean, they should, though. I mean, I feel like they could get on the ground floor at something special here. I, I think so, too. You know, like Domino's HR or whatever PR, like if you're listening, like, please sponsor me. I will be bought off with one whole pizza. That's all it takes. I'm very cheap. Please, please sponsor. Yeah, it could be our person only sponsor. Yeah, exactly. I guess shifting gears a little bit, you know, we kind of talked about use of transformation as a metaphor, you know, for levity and humor. You really do swing between different tones in your stories. So like to, again, like kind of name drop one of the stories I read for my research, you know, like in the meaner pastures story that you wrote, like, you know, there was a very detailed horny cow TF sprinkled with like a helping of critical analysis of Southern politics. And then on the other hand, you know, you did the horror werewolf TF. You also did, uh, you know, like a romantic post-apocalyptic chimera TF, which, you know, was very interesting to read. They're all like, they all touch on very different tones and you know we talked about how you know you can use tf to navigate heavier themes you can use it to kind of poke fun at the absurd but i guess my question is kind of you know 
what is it generally that will dictate the tone to which a story will take? Like when it comes to like the random inspiration of driving down a country road, it, does that inspiration also dictate the tone or do you kind of figure the tone out as you're writing the stories? Those are good questions that I wish I had an answer to. <laughs> my story formulation is always, I try to, I guess, come at it from this perspective of do a story that could exist on its own without a transformation. But I mean, obviously mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to, I don't have any interest in writing non TF stuff. And I, I mean, it could just be, you know, going back to the HR Geiger thing, like talking about what anything that I'm dealing with at the time for the Cal TS story, you will not find anyone who enjoys poking fun at long held traditional redneck political beliefs than me, because mm -hmm. it's shit that I have to deal with day in and day out. Yeah. That particular story came about because I was dealing with having a new job and being in a place I've, I've never worked anywhere before where because I'm a white dude, other white dudes that I work with assume that I'm part of whatever club they are. I've had people come up to me and just say just transphobic, Islamophobic, just horrible, horrible shit. And I... Yeah. work that into that story um, just to kind of point out like we're not living in an enlightened age this is um, there's still many many people around who are like that even if they're horse people or pig people I couldn't remember what it was pig I think yeah was the main one yeah yeah so that was going on at the time that was why I was writing that any of my spooky stuff I gravitate towards just based on with anything just just random stuff from watching a movie that's way better than anything I could come up with. <laughs> I have a novella that I wrote that was a story that I wanted to tell back when I was probably like 10 years old or something. And I figured like, well, I have the opportunity to do it now. Why not, you know, throw werewolf porn into it as well? Because that's, I mean, why, why not? the fuck not, right? Like if you're not throwing werewolf porn into your story, like you're doing something wrong probably, unless you're turning into something else. Yeah. What are you doing with your life? I mean, that's yeah. the real self-introspection you need to be doing. It's true. It's true. Like, I'm sorry, next time I'm watching a movie, like, whatever it is, I'm like, where's the werewolf porn? Like, you could have thrown that in there, instantly make it a 10 out of 10. Shawshank Redemption, but with wolf dicks. I mean, this kind of shit writes itself. Yeah, exactly. Like, again, Hollywood, like, call us. Like, we will tell you more things. And I, I've said this in other episodes, but, like, there is definitely an uptick in TF in media, or at least we're just noticing it more now, and I do appreciate that. But, like, we can always use more. Yeah, I think it comes in waves. Yeah. There's a really good, I don't know if you call it a renaissance or whatever, of horror coming out right now. Mm -hmm. it, I think we're kind of cresting that wave. With that usually comes some of the more interesting TF movies and everything, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we sit around and wait for another 15 years and it'll come back around again. Yeah. Hopefully the waves, there'll be shorter spacing between each wave because I would like the wonderful trend to continue. But I mean, I agree. It, it sometimes feels like you really have to wait for the next kind of spurt, so to speak, of TF stuff. But, you know, at the very least, I think that given a lot of quote unquote millennials or however you want to call it are like entering, you know, these sorts of positions where they have more creative control, there's definitely, I think, been an uptick because we were all exposed to the same 90s, early 2000s episodes of Totally Spies, you know? Know, like that's just that's just what happens that leads to everything um if you say so young <laughs> <laughs> like, we're, we're, 
we're gonna have to go back to uh, 80s ninja turtles cartoons we really want to get to the heart of the matter that's true you know i i will say it. every time i think like you know oh we found the tf media that you know really was like the genesis of things it's like no there was that was based on something else and you just you forever go down a rabbit hole until you get to like ancient egypt and at that point it's like who's keeping yeah. track yeah, those are the real kinky bastards they were you know they were the first furries and i respect the hell out of them for gifting us an amazing pantheon of hot gods oh, absolutely yeah they they really knocked it out of the park yeah kind of going off on a, on a tangent though it's always it's amusing to me to listen to other guests come on and you know you ask like how do they get into tf and it's like oh well you know i i found um furry art on the internet and i'm like are you fucking kidding me like did, have you ever like had to get your mom to drive you to the library to check out the same werewolf book because you know the internet hadn't really existed yet in its current form anyway <laughs> or um explain why you wanted to rent the same shitty werewolf movie that you've rented 17 times before it's like we really like the cinematography what? yeah exactly i know I, I will say you know it's a difference in terms of age and you know when you're a trillion years old obviously the experience is different but you know it, it is always interesting to hear about the ways in which people discovered tf pre-internet i mean guilty as charged i definitely took out the animorph books many a times but it also makes me happy that we are now in a space where tf media is so readily accessible because like you said before a certain age you know you had to go to the library or shuffle through blockbuster of all things you know right. like as technology has evolved we've really got to be a little bit spoiled sometimes in terms of the access to the media that we do have and you know obviously hats off to the folks who categorize all of that tf media because i know there's like a, a few different tf sites where they actually like collect every single clip of like old obscure like shows that have transformation in them and i just i tip my hat at that because that is a public service that i appreciate yeah, definitely. Those are always incredibly impressive to me. And yeah, the abundance of TF media makes it a lot easier for the Dark Lord Satan to corrupt the youth of America. And I think that's what it's all about. Exactly. I mean, he started with D&D &D and look where we are now. We're all just drooling over werewolf dicks on the internet. Like, it's truly incredible. What's the next stage to come? We can only sit and wait and wonder. Probably drooling over werewolf dick in VR. That's the next one. Uh, that's already here, my friend. True. That is technically already <laughs> here. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. I know you mentioned like folks coming onto the podcast and talking about how they kind of got into the community through furry stuff. I know we've chat about this before, not on a podcast, but I know that the Double Helix podcast that Anger Bodhi used to do really affected you significantly and also kind of helped to encourage you to become more involved in the community. So I was kind of curious to hear the story kind of on the record and also just understand how that specifically affected you and what you kind of acted on because of that afterwards. Yeah, definitely. I really like telling this story. So I, like any good TF zombie, I devour any kind of media that I can get my hands on. And there have been a couple of yeah. great TF podcasts in the past before. Obviously, this is the best one. I mean, it goes, goes without saying. Thank uh, you. I mean, it's got me, so obviously, yes. <laughs> but, you know. Angerboda did a great one. Cheesy Dino had one that was really good. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anchor Boda had one that was about getting out and meeting people in the TF community. And I yeah. kind of listened to it and she was talking about Vernal Equinox, which was, I say she, but it was everyone on that podcast. Mm -hmm. 
I was talking about Fernal Equinox and how there is such a large percentage of the people attending it or, or you know, it's kind of a medium-sized con, but there's huge TF presence there. Yep. Side note, there's a larger and larger TF presence at, at every convention uh, these days, which is always amazing to me. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I'm kind of in a rural area of the country. I never met anyone that was into TF until I was 34, 35. Mm-hmm. Like I say... 34 is the new trillion. So Obviously. <laughs> and I just was kind of like, well, what the fuck am I waiting on? And never really paid any attention to any kind of social media, but got on TF Twitter and met a lot of really fun people. Uh, had the opportunity to hang out with some of them, started attending cons, and now I've the idea that I've hung out with for weeks people that I grew up thinking they were the gods of TF. You probably know the, the one person in particular I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think if hopefully going to be uh, continuing to do a little editing for this podcast, maybe some guest host here and there. But I think if there's anything that I can do positively, I would really like to also get people to, if you've ever wanted to sit around and, and talk about this shit with people, like, let me say with 100% certainty that you will never find a more friendly, intelligent, uh, welcoming group than TF fans. Transformation is not just a sexual thing for the majority of people that are heavily involved in the community, myself included. It's a huge part of our lives and getting together and talking with people that are in the same boat is, it's still, it floors me, especially, like I say, coming from an area where anything more kinky than missionary sex with a blanket in between both parties involved and, you know, a hand on the Bible the entire time, that's, that's far out there. But just being able to sit down and talk to this stuff, it still is like I I still feel really quote unquote blessed that I've been able to meet you know you and a lot of the uh, the other TF crowd. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree, and I'm glad that that one podcast episode kind of impacted you in a way that it helped you kind of discover the community and the people around who were so supportive and welcoming. You know, of course, I will echo very strongly that. Fernal Equinox is the TF con. I'm incredibly biased because it's my local con, but like, let's be honest, Toronto is kind of the TF city and I will die on that hill. I, I will never, never fight you on that one. Amazing. Yeah. There's just something in the water up here. I don't know what it yeah. is. If, if you could bottle <laughs> some of that up and ship it down here, yes. it shouldn't be too hard for me to break into utility buildings. I actually have done that before now that I think about it. Oh, you yes. have. M- maybe that shouldn't be a topic. Uh, on, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm more than happy to ship you some water from up here. Make all the TF fans uh, appear, as it were, wherever you need to go. Nice. But yeah, you know, I think obviously again agree that you know TF content is also appearing at more cons in general. But I think when it comes particularly to meeting people and such, and kind of understanding what their interest is in transformation, you know, I mean, I think that. All of the different podcasts, Cheesy's Changing Times, Anger Boda's Double Helix, this one, other ones, they all have had such a wide variety of people on them talking about the different ways in which transformation has affected them. 
And I think that all of that kind of goes to show that there are a lot of thoughtful people in TF, like you said, and it's actually not too hard, question mark, in my opinion, to find them. And I think that the best thing anyone can do is like, you know, have that sort of real person viewing of other people talking about this topic in a normal way. And again, I mean, that is kind of what we're trying to do here with the podcast in terms of like giving a voice to this topic that oftentimes we don't ever hear anyone talking about in real life. And a podcast is at least somewhat of a substitute of that. And of course, you know, going to cons is a privilege and it's very expensive and not everyone always gets the opportunity to do that. But I will say that surmounting the fear a little bit of talking about these things and finding a way to talk to others in person, it really does make a massive difference in terms of just even your mental health. Because I know a lot of people deal with a bit of shame about being into this topic. Not everyone, and maybe not even a majority, but there is definitely some people who do. And I think that giving a voice to that in a normal setting can like really change the perspective on that. And just in general, it's it's always good to be able to interact with like-minded people. Yeah, definitely. It's it's never a negative experience. I was one of those people that I had a very religious upbringing. Nothing there's anything wrong with that. That's just not where I'm at in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And I never wanted to talk to anyone about this. Any of the people that I did talk about it, I had extremely negative reactions from it. But yeah. within two minutes of, of meeting my first live person that was also into this stuff, it was super chill, great conversations. It can only be a positive experience. If anyone listening has never had the opportunity to go to a con, I would recommend as a resource, Wikifur is a wiki about furries, you know, go figure. Amazing. Yeah, I know. Uh, they have a page that is uh, just displays upcoming cons and it you know it tells you where they are it provides links to their website i would recommend maybe getting on social media uh, meeting some like-minded people and then if you have the opportunity to go to conventions just go and kind of sightsee and you Mm -hmm. you will run into people you will see names that you recognize there's usually at least at the bigger cons i think this one guy named z z something something that took my tongue does a uh tf meeting group uh a lot of the oh uh joe uh, you're thinking of a show that is is, yeah uh, a lot of the bigger cons and you know there there's no more uh welcoming environment to just sit down and talk about this at a place that's literally designed to sit down and talk about this stuff and it can really uh especially if you grow up as someone that was always thinking this was a weird thing and yes it is a weird thing it's a happily weird thing mm-hmm. everything everything great in the world is weird by the way absolutely yeah. nothing is normal yeah. then it's i really don't know where the fuck i was going with this tf good <laughs> meet tf people TF very good. good yes very good yeah and i will say you know like on the wiki for point the world is not just mffs and anthrocons and blfcs further confusions and furry weekend atlantas like there are smaller cons in a variety of places that you might not even realize if you ever get the chance to find one that's at least somewhat local it's worth it to check out you don't i guess this isn't like technically what people normally do but like you can ghost the con and just go to it and kind of like maybe meet up with people you don't have to go to the con itself maybe you just go for a day and it's local so you don't have to like incur the expense of like staying somewhere overnight and just just getting a chance to 
meet other like-minded people again it just it makes a big difference and like you said it made a big difference for you i know it made a big difference for me just getting that in-person interaction can be really helpful especially given everything we have lived through in the past two and a half years so <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah definitely stay safe and everything and conventions are really good about taking covid precautions as much as we can these days yeah also, with TF becoming more and more popular, like you say, you, you don't have to just go to the FWAs and the MFFs. Check out the schedule of cons coming out. Check out their web page and check out their events. And I almost can guarantee that there will be a uh, transformation panel at every single one these days. Even from five years ago, there was like one in MFF, and now there were like four. And there was a yeah. semi-local con to me that I didn't have the opportunity to go to. But I wish I would have because when I looked at the schedule, it had one and it was the first time the con had been held and it was in a wow. pretty, pretty small area, not the most populous state in the union. And even they had a TF panel. Damn. And so, yeah, it's distance and expense are always something to consider depending on where you're at. But there's almost always going to be something you can check into. Absolutely. TF on your budget. Yeah. You know, in terms of moving things back, I think a bit to the writing, one of the things I've always noticed with writers is feedback is really important. When you spend the time that it takes to put together a writing piece, uh, it can be quite a sizable investment. And it's always a little bit disheartening when you don't get a lot of feedback. So I know that comments are always really helpful in that element. But what I wanted to ask is how important is user feedback generally to you? Like when when you have folks who maybe like point things out, things they liked or didn't like, do you take that into account when you write your next story? How impactful does it end up being in terms of what you want to do? Yeah, it means a lot to me. I wouldn't, I'm probably on the lower end of more popular TF writers. I don't get near as, as much traffic as um, some people, which is completely fine. I, I don't like really aspire to be. I don't write near as much as I should. Mm -hmm. But every time, especially if I have someone that I'm familiar with their writing or their TF art comment on my stuff, it makes my week. It's like having, I don't know, the Beatles stop by and say, hey, that was a great song. Yeah. So I, I would urge people, if you read something, especially art or, or whatever, but especially in writing, if you like a story, please leave a comment that you like it. And I always think back to, um, especially when you're trying to write something that's not kind of a one-to-one -one transformation story uh, that might have something. I had a, another really personal story. There was a rap to your story that mm -hmm. intentionally ended on what people considered a downer note. And I had one person ask, well, can you have an alternate ending where the thing that everybody that read it wanted to happen, what happened? And I kind of read that and I felt like, well, I did my job. If, if someone if someone <laughs> wanted the uh, the ending to be a different way. As far as feedback, I guess I kind of write in a way that I don't do commissions, so I'm not really out to try to appeal to any any particular audience. Now, there's just any, anything mm -hmm. wrong with that. Some of the best stuff I've read has been commissioned, but I kind of want to write my own thing. Yeah. Uh, I've never really tried to want to work on any projects or anything. People have asked me in the past if I will do commissions missions or if I will do any kind of role playing and oh the classic do you RP yeah not even just that but maybe some <laughs> of the more tactful 
uh, hey, you should you should uh, look into role playing a bit. You'd be really good at it. And I'm like, I mm-hmm. I would like to imagine it would be something like the other person would be like, oh, I start to take my shirt off, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, but w- what are you thinking about right now? Like, what was your fourth grade teacher like? You know, just I'm I'm too much of a micromanager when it comes to writing to ever do anything like that. Mm-hmm. But and glad you asked that because I think a lot of people get into the habit of saying, "Well, likes are important to me, and I want to write what the majority of people are looking for, or whatever." And I would say, if you want to sit down and write a werewolf porn story in three pages, like have at it. Great, some of my favorite stuff. I'm fully in, in favor of three page werewolf porn. Mm-hmm. But if you want to sit down and write the next crime and punishment, but with werewolves in it, go for it. <laughs> I like, I would read the shit out of that. For the I record. would read the fuck out of it too. Like they're. Be aware that there is a smaller market for it, but if you're trying to write something like that, you don't really care what the market is, and don't let people's expectations. You mean there isn't a big market out there for crime and punishment with werewolves? I mean, like, all the Dostoevsky stands are all about that. My last story was literally titled The Trial, but with Pigtia. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, See, you're, you're clearly giving the people what they want, despite what you're saying. Y- yeah, there is a huge market for Kafka's you know, just to shit all over his legacy. Yeah, obviously. I find myself doing that a lot. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of all the different classical literature that would be improved with TF. I, I Like we said before, I don't think anything couldn't be improved. I do try to work a lot of literary allusions into everything that I do because I'm a big book nerd. Yeah, I was going to say I've noticed that on all of your stories, you actually start them with like a quote from something. Yeah, I'm one of those weird people that can kind of remember certain quotes. And quotes won't really lead into the inspiration for a story, but a lot of times I'll try to come up with something that at least tangentially um, is related to what I'm doing. And sometimes that's a good way to subvert expectations too, like having a quote from Harlan Ellison dealing with a psychotic AI, but then the story actually ends on a high note. Mm -hmm. Anytime you can kind of fool the reader that's always something I'm in favor of doing. Yeah, and uh, as it turns out, that story was also, the one you were quoting from there was also a TF story, technically. The... Oh, I, you know what? I'm confusing them. I was thinking of, there was a story you had, I have no mouth and I'm a scream quote, which is technically a TF story. Yes, yeah. Hopefully mine was a little bit more unpleasant for everyone involved than that one. I mean, you never know. There are definitely people who are into becoming blobs who cannot do anything and are tortured by AIs. I mean, he definitely cornered that market, at least. Yeah, or um, forcing someone to become an ape person and violate their gender identity. I'm sure there's a market for that. You know, I'm I'm sure there is too. God. Oh man, wild stuff. Yeah. I I did also want to circle back on something you mentioned earlier as kind of one of the things that you like to do in your stories that I definitely noticed when I was kind of going through your catalog. You have a lot of variation in terms of the subjects and characters that you go with, but I noticed that you do gravitate towards having couples in your pieces. So like, for example, in Lateral Move, which was the kind of apocalyptic chimera one, you focused on a couple as part of it, you know, one human and one turning into a pretty incredible chimera. The werewolf piece we talked about earlier had a couple there's other pieces i saw that also touched on that as well 
I guess I was curious to know why you've kind of gravitated towards the sort of coupling that's seen in your pieces. Because, you know, there's oftentimes many a TF story that will have two subjects, maybe they TF into wombats and then they fuck. But the coupling in those cases seems like a lot more integral to the story itself. And so, again, I was curious to kind of hear what really drove you towards focusing on that as part of your work and body of work in general. I think relationships are some of the most interesting parts of the human experience or the werewolf experience. Mm. And I also think growing up where if you wanted to experience any kind of TF media, that was almost assuredly going to come from movies and movies have to have stories that go along with them and stories are going to involve conflicts and especially conflict between uh, relationships. I also really like ending stuff kind of almost open-ended. My very first story kind of ended at the point of our relationship where both parties admit that they do have deeper feelings for each other and that kind of scary little uncertainty that, that comes along with that. The story ends at the point where you don't know if it's going to work for the characters because when you're at that point in a relationship, you don't know if it's going to work going forward. You can just kind of hope for the best and try to be the person that the other party is looking for I, I mean also i'm a hopeless romantic and so that goes into a lot of the stuff i write mm-hmm. the chimera story well that, that was definitely the most as far as like off the wall detailed transformation i've ever done i want mm-hmm. to say there was like 15 species or something that i had to learn little there were a yeah. lot <laughs> um <laughs> but the idea that the character has to go through such a traumatic thing and it's not something that she wants at all and i believe at the end of that story if she was given the option to turn back and then she would take that in a heartbeat but she was also engaged to someone and there was the obvious fear that because i've gone through such this big life-changing thing and you know, not resembling the person that this other person fell in love with, that the relationship might just be over. And then mm-hmm. having a partner who's like, okay, yeah, all right, so how are we going to deal with this? Because obviously we're going to stay together and we'll just figure things out. I've always thought that TF always involves, I mean, it's a huge life-changing event. Yeah, it can be sexy. It can also be terrifying. My last story, the main character's relationship with their parents and especially their job ends up being completely thrown out the window because of the transformation which leads to Mm. severe depression and it's always such a life-changing thing that if you can also work in other characters who are willing to go through that with you i think that's kind of what everybody's looking for in their everyday life and uh, if you can work that into a story then so much the better something i find really interesting in terms of pieces that explore relationships is like you said kind of seeing how people react to their partner going through something and then seeing kind of that validation of okay how are we going to deal with this this kind of addresses a lot of people's fears about if they're into TF and maybe they're seeing someone, they don't know how to talk to them about it, they worry how they'll react. Obviously, not everyone is as open-minded as you know the subjects we're talking about in these stories, but something that I always appreciate about 
fiction that explores things in this way is it removes that concern out of the picture. And it's not only a very validating thing to see, but it makes for an interesting story. I mean, you know, if the person just says, well, f fuck off and leaves, I mean, okay, yes, there is ramifications for that. Kind of like what you alluded to with your most recent story there. There is something to explore there. But particularly when it comes to couples, I always think it's even more interesting to see how like, you know, someone who's navigating their new found monsterhood, so to speak, or even just navigating changes in general, to have kind of like a non-changing person to play off to can really make for interesting stories. And in, again, in particular, it can be really nice to see in fiction when you have that internalized doubt of how do I open up to other people about this if it's something that I really want to share with them because they're an important person and I might want them to interact with it in some way. Yeah, I think a, a lot of TS stories end right at the good point with that. They either lean towards, well, there's there's no internal conflict. They're just going to stay together and it, it's super hot and it's wonderful and everything. Mm -hmm. But you can also do a lot. My most recent story, the main character's best friend was aware that the change was going on and did say that they were going to um, help him in any way they could and they were covering shifts for them at work and trying to actually push them to be more assertive and try to get this change reversed that they, they didn't want to happen and then as the story goes on that best friend completely cuts all ties with a person and I think through that story uh, I guess the moral of the story was that sometimes that is what you need to do if you can't be around people who accept you for who you are then you will find people that will and don't spend so much time in unhealthy relationships you know going back to attending cons and everything there are a lot of people that are into this thing and it means different things for every person there are if you're one of the the people that looks into transformation is kind of an identity thing or a spiritual thing there are people that are right there with you on that yeah don't be afraid to look for more positive people yeah absolutely and like you said i think that something i've always heard and thanks therapy but one of the most important things you can do to yourself is to live your life authentically and if transformation is an important part of you living your life authentically then that's something you should do again no one's saying to explore tf in an unhealthy way because obviously that is something that can be done but as long as you're respecting other people's boundaries like it's important to live yourself in as authentic a way as possible and obviously there can be situations that prevent that there can be situations that obviously necessitate not doing that but at least some portion of your life you should be able to live your authentic self and i think that we oftentimes are kind of conditioned through society through media and all that other stuff to bottle up some of these things that are considered weird and again as we've kind of touched on with the podcast like we want to make sure that people feel like yes it might be a weird thing but it's something that you know you should feel like you can explore in the right settings with the right people and those right settings and right people do exist yeah definitely when i started to become more involved in the community side of, of tf i was kind of surprised by how many trans people were into TF and immediately followed by the thought like why the fuck is that remotely surprising because for <laughs> a lot of people I think TF at its absolute best is about becoming the you that is the best version of you the yeah. you that is the real you even if you do grow fur and fangs and whatever it's at its absolute best uh, I think that's that's what it is yeah 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, here, here, I have definitely used TF to explore my gender, as I've said many times before in this podcast. So completely agree there. And I think that there is definitely a a strong set of logic there between exploring your gender and exploring TF, which is always nice. Definitely. Another thing I was curious in terms of mining related to your stories in particular, there was the kind of setup we talked about earlier with the meaner pasture story with critical analysis of southern politics there was some humorous stuff and it did end in a very detailed horny cow tf and as much as i'd like to know where that farm is and how i can get a full dosage of that cow tf serum there were also some really dark implications from the setup and i was kind of curious to hear about that story specifically but like more broadly how you go about building settings for stories in which it plays an important part to the transformation and the lead up. For example, with this specific one, you focused on giving a bit of backstory specifically as to, you know, how TF ended up becoming a part of the society, but a lot of other stuff was left vague and then you kind of placed it in a specific time as well. So my question is, what kind of informs the way in which you decide on a setting? And, you know, with that story in particular, I'm curious to hear a little bit of your thought process behind making it a very specific thing, which might make it a little less relatable, while also focusing on fleshing out specific parts of the backstory while leaving other parts vague. Yeah, uh, definitely. It kind of comes from two different places. Having that specific setting was done because it is actually a sequel to another story, and there are four stories that I yeah oh. there are actually four stories that I have that take place in the same universe damn so this is your multiverse of madness is what you're telling me yes yeah, actually what I was going to say <laughs> my last story was uh, my end game because I finally pulled a lot of characters that together that I I wanted to do for a long time amazing and kind of sort of made allusions to the other story without kind of giving anything away too much so that that was where mm-hmm. some of the kind of vagueness happened but yeah it, it is in a world where there just now transformation is extremely limited, but it is possible. And it's in a world where the government kind of, they have to acknowledge its existence, but they're trying to downplay it as much as possible. But there are other people out there who are um, funding it for their own purposes. And that kind of gets revealed who that is. I still have uh, a little bit more on that I can tell in the future, but later on in, in another story. Going back to some of the darker things, I, I would say that, yeah, those those four stories are linked together with definitely negative emotions and negative uh, meter pasture deals a little bit with racism, transphobia. Mm-hmm. But it, if there's a moral to that story, it's that even in such a weird environment, be it a quasi-religious TF community slash the Southeast, there are good people. Even in bad places, you'll you'll still find good people. That was, I think, my favorite character that I've ever written about is uh, Haley, the donkey lady, um, who was an absolute joy to ride every time uh, she pops up. She was great. I, I really enjoyed her entire demeanor and just how excited she was to TF other people and then maybe made some mistakes there. Yeah, she she is <laughs> uh she has a hard time keeping her ducks in a row. I think out of it every character that I've ever written, she might be the one whether I would like it or not, that's the most like me. Very uh <laughs> chaotic thought process at the best of times. Yeah. Well, 
I support her chaotic uh, existence. Yeah. It's it's pretty iconic. Yeah, she's very fun to write about. She might yeah. appear again in another story that I have written. Yeah. Just have to wait and see. Excellent. I will uh, keep my eyes out mm-hmm. for that then. I guess then kind of thinking about other writing stuff in particular, is there anything that you see in transformation writing that really bugs you? And when I say bug you, I mean more like, not so much like necessarily hate, but you see it done in a way that you feel like could be handled better, but isn't usually exercised to its full potential. I probably wouldn't say that. I don't want to ever be critical of anybody's stuff. Everybody writes for whatever reason they want to write. I'm unfortunately not God. I'm working on that. Um, I've got some true i mean you've already got the age down Mm -hmm. so you know you're getting close to ascending to godhood obviously yeah Yeah. Yeah. keep coming back to the age who who was the one that originally brought that up it was you actually oh no it couldn't have been me it was pretty sure it was you i mean if you ask me what i would like to see more of i definitely like to see more character driven stuff but there's great stuff out there that does if you want to sit down and have a tia porn story that's fantastic and i i probably read it and enjoyed it. I don't really think I would say anything particularly bothers me. That's fair. That was, that was a very fair, even killed answer. So I respect that. I know that from my own personal experience, I'm not really a writer. So I don't have much of a firm opinion on that front either. But there can always be sometimes things that stick out in stories that I read. You kind of just stop and you go, hmm, but. I respect that. That's not really a thing in terms of the pieces you consume. And that's, I think, a good thing. Yeah, hope so anyway. Given there are so many things that you do enjoy, are there any specific inspirations to yourself that you really look up to? And what is it about their work that really influenced the approach that you take with them now? Yeah, I, I could talk about this totally. As far as TF writing, I don't really, I, I mean, I have favorite writers, but I don't really think I'd take too much inspiration. I always think of one of my favorite TF stories is, I think it's called Legal Issues. Uh, it's by Lycan Dope, who is a, probably about, about the most prominent TF writer out there. Mm-hmm. Always does fantastic stuff. The story in particular was about someone that is very career-oriented, um, to the detriment of lots of other people and ends up going through a transformation where her personality is changed, but not to the point where she's a different person, but where she's becoming a lot more open and aware of the simple things in life that just make everything worth living. And at the end of the story, after she's changed, she is able to continue her work, but alter it in such a way that she's doing a lot more good in the world that she wouldn't have done if she hadn't gone through this transformation. And I love stuff like that. Obviously, I, I try to emulate uh, a lot of that stuff and what I write, but yeah. I, I don't have a lot of TF writers, but if, you know, if I had to pick as far as more traditional literature, I do a lot of channeling or Douglas Adams, Joseph Heller. There's one chapter in Catch-22 that I always think about pointing out the absurdity of the military and then mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a hilarious book. You're laughing the entire way through. And then all of a sudden it gets to the very, very darkest of what humanity is capable of. And it just, yeah, should get yeah real. it just comes out of nowhere. And that kind of swing between whimsical and really dark examinations of what people are capable of doing. I try to work that into myself. 
I think a lot about having character realizations come about uh, because of transformations. Uh, I look back at one of my favorite books is The Stranger, Albert Camus, who has a main character that is so completely devoid of any kind of good qualities, like is just the absolute worst that a human being can be. And by just the worst. Yeah. And then like by the fourth or fifth last page ends up having this huge realization. And it, the first time I read it, it almost brought me to tears. Transformation is something that goes very closely with that. Maybe not just a bad person becoming a good person or uh, at least a self-aware person, but uh, having a life-altering event that completely changes how you perceive the world around you because of how different things are for you now. Definitely not a personality change or identity change or anything like that. You will not find anyone that hates identity death and transformation stories more than me. That shit scares <laughs> the fuck out of me. As someone who has had a medical history that involved uh, some of that, like that's, that's not fun, mm -hmm. but yeah, I try to try to work stuff like that into it, especially the more goofy side. Yeah. Gosh, I would love to dig into the identity stuff with you, but I think we'll save that for another time because I could talk about that at length as well from the opposite perspective. I think it's, it's interesting though, that you mention it in general, because it can often be such a sticking point for people. I think I don't mean to say that any specific kind of transformation trope is contentious but you can get some really visceral reactions on that one in particular and i always find it interesting when people are very heavily on one side or the other yeah i i agree i do like hearing why people like certain things i think that's something we've talked about potentially doing down the road i would love for you to explain to me full toy tfs because it's like someone walked into my house and started speaking mandarin chinese and i'm barely stringing sentences together in english <laughs> and i'm always interested in learning why that stuff is hot for people yeah i mean honestly I, again this is something i talk about for ages but you know one of the things that i think initially drew me to pool toys was the lack of any sort of genitalia because that actually spoke to kind of my own kind of gender dysphoria that is definitely not what it is for everyone i know that that is part of the appeal to me but it's like a combination of that and then also like that but make it hot your bulb is uh, sensitive it can be combined with the feeling of rubber or latex and that's something that i find is really interesting and how alienating that is from like your normal skin or fur might feel and then the rest is kind of flows from there in terms of exploring different different animals that can then be reinterpreted as pool toys and you know sometimes it can be oh the person is still able to walk around sometimes it's like a fully inanimate change i honestly enjoy all of those i know some people can be more or less interested in one of those kinds but i mean at its core i find it to be kind of weirdly gender affirming and again that is not what everyone gets out of it but at the very least i think that people who are into like stuff related to bulges nullified or otherwise get a really big kick out of pool to idea i would say that definitely helped me to understand more the appeal <laughs> to it than anything i could ever come up with on my own amazing i am very good with explaining yeah, things i will say you're so, literally you know pool toy jesus and i mean that i am thank you i i am the pool toy jesus and everyone who listens to this podcast will eventually be into pool toys tfs if it's the last thing yeah. i do so your, your life's great work exactly
Exactly. No more noble goal. <laughs> Agreed. Amazing. So that's roughly all the questions I wanted to explore with you today, but I was curious if there were any other questions you had for me, because you put me on my toes a little bit there. Maybe I'll come back with that on another podcast, because I I definitely okay. enjoy picking your brain about stuff. Okay, cool. Well, I'm, I'm very down for that. And of course, I really appreciated you coming on today to chat about writing and your stuff. If people are looking for your stuff, where can they find you? You can find me at all the usual hangouts, F.A., just on so furry doc slab which is fantastic and i don't think i think a lot of people will forget that about that site but oh yeah great uh tf story archive mm -hmm. uh, as doran tf d-o-r-i-n-t-f if you uh read it don't throw too many heavy things at me because uh i can't dodge as well as i used to we've established i'm getting older <laughs> well you don't look a year over a million so you're doing good well, there thanks i, I appreciate that Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you as well for helping to edit behind the scenes. It has been a big help for me. And thank you so much to everyone for listening today. I know we didn't have a audience questions segment today. That is actually because I ran out of audience questions to pick from before these episodes started airing. We have a bit of a backlog we're getting through. So in the future, your questions will be asked on episodes, but there will be a two to three week delay so you know continue to leave your comments we will get to them but for the sake of our collective sanity we're running things on a bit of a backlog so that we can make sure that these episodes are coming to you nice and fresh in a timely weekly fashion so that's why there's no questions today but we will definitely have more in the future and yeah thank you so much for listening as always and uh, stay tfe mm -hmm.